0: You know, on the way here today, just asking the Lord, uh, said, Lord, you know, I I I know what our subject is uh, for this month—to gather, to grow, to go—but um, what happens? Oh, I, I I want to touch that person who's struggling. I want to touch that person who they can't count their blessings one by one. It was a tough year last year. They had loss. How do you, how do you make them feel good about themselves today? How do you make them feel hopeful about this year to come? Because you know when you touch something and it, I. I I remember going to the little, you know, the code things to let you in the gates of the community. I'd go over to Rory and Sarah's, and, and I, I don't know what it is about theirs and me, but it always shocked me. And so you do that two or three times, and I go up to it. I roll my window down like, see if it's going to shock me. this time. It didn't shock me every time. But so many times, you know, if the weather's dry, and it's like, because you, you just don't go up there and you like, ah! you get weary of that. And I know <laughs> there are people who go through life and they're afraid to touch something, touch someone, to be touched by someone, because half the times it shocks them. Not every time. Even if it's just a few times, Aren't you little? So when people feel hurt, and they may even be, feel hurt in church, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. <clears throat> so that was my question. I said, Lord, what? What can I say? What scripture? What example? What story can I say that, that I can encourage them past this hump, this syndrome? And what came to me was exactly what the word we have for this year. God's not done with you. God's not done with us. Regardless of what pain and what changes you've had to make this year, regardless of your age, you know, you can't get too old to serve God because if you can get too old, then you can be too young, and that's just not true. You can't be too young to serve God. You can't be too young to hear from God, and you can't be too old. In fact, the older you get, sometimes it's easier to that you're not struggling with all the things that the world is shouting at you. You've done it, you've settled it, and you know, you're you're past you're past those desires. So whatever it is, I would just like you to. Agree with me. And say it with me. You can just kind of mumble it. You can say it out loud. But if you just, as as like a form of agreement, just say, God's not done with me. That's good. Let's do that again. You ready? God's not done with me. And he's not. No matter what... Yes, yeah, something yesterday just made me just so upset and Chris goes, "You can't be upset. you've got to present God's word, and you've got to present it powerful. I'm going, "That's not helping. <laughs> That's not helping. That's just bringing more condemnation that I feel this way, and it's all I can think about. And you know what? God's not done. He's, he's not done with me. He's not done with you. Our, our lives may change. Style changes, you know, style changes, hairdo changes. I had a mohawk in high school. Isn't that amazing? Now, I told Crystal, hey, how about if I get one of those haircuts like my little grandson, Marky, where it's shaved really close, Pete has one, it's shaved really close, it's a little longer top. How about that? And Crystal goes, honey, that's way too young for you. Thank you. Thank you. So now it's just kind of, I'll take a number two, just... So, oh. Wow. How many people grew up in church? Raise your hand. Oh, you grew up in this church. Okay. We're old. Wow. How many didn't grow up in church? Wow. How many came to the Lord you know, to understand a personal relationship with Jesus in this church? Oh, wow, that's fantastic. See, <clears throat> we're all different people who've gathered together. And each one of us has different struggles. For me, it, it, I, I have actually ended up, struggling with this gathering concept. I grew up in church, but when I grew up in church, it was what your family did. In fact, our entire neighborhood that went to church went to my church. I don't even know how that happened. And in church... You learn how to, you know, what to respect, what not to respect. I learned good from wrong. It didn't mean I didn't do wrong. I just knew I was doing wrong when I was doing it. Does that make sense? So it's like, because there's people today, when when they don't grow up, it's called Christendom. When you don't grow up with with rights and wrongs that are based on things that don't change, like the Bible instead of postmodernism, however I feel. Today I feel like a... I feel like a, an Asian woman. You know that is postmodernism. You know how you feel is your truth, and I, we need to know that there is a truth, and that if if you don't if you don't have an absolute, which the the spirit of this society that we're walking in, they hate absolutes. But here's what comes around: no matter what you believe in, is going to be changed, because what you believe in, you're saying it's an absolute. There are no absolutes. Sorry, you have to respect me. No, I don't. That's an absolute. So we're in this confused time. But at least growing up in the church, though, I didn't have a a living relationship with Jesus Christ. I was very God conscious. And that's one of the wonderful things about growing up and being raised in the church. I mean, you went to church. And then as time goes by, as a young adult, you know, you're, I know right from wrong, and I knew what I was doing right from wrong, and I did wrong, and I did right. And I came to understand that there's something missing in my life. And I, I thought it was having friends. I mean, I worked hard on having friends. Um, you know, in high school, they have superlatives, you know, where the school votes, you know, who's the handsomest, who's the... I didn't win that, either one of them, <laughs> the most likely to succeed, I didn't win that one either, but out of a school of almost 3,000, I won the super, get your picture in the paper, I got wittiest, funniest, easiest to meet, and the friendliest. And I'm not saying that to my credit. I'm saying this to my shame, because I needed it. I needed to be accepted, I needed to be picked up every Friday night to go out. One night I didn't get picked up. I was like a year younger than everybody, so they had their license and I didn't. It was like the worst night of my life. I said, they forgot me. They forgot me. And I started this process that I need to be accepted. I need to be liked. I need to be loved. I like to think that they love me. They forgot me. You put all this time and effort into something you think is going to make you, and you can be forgotten like that. And so, for a couple of years, I struggled with, I need, I, I, I need this, I need this, and it was, it, it was uh, something that was just compelled me in life. And then one day, on the side of a mountain in Colorado, I found out what I needed. And I needed a relationship with someone who would never turn their back on me. Even in the bad times, they're going to love me. They can make me, give me this feeling that there's not a hole in my stomach at night. I needed a real relationship with Jesus. And then I recognized that that, that all these years, he'd been wooing me and wooing me. And this was outside the church, I found this. It was on the side of a mountain. Wow, and things started to change, and not not just my situation, but things started to change in me. Well, so when I, I found this incredible, incredible thing that happened inside my gut. That it was just a very natural thing for me to well listen. Let me go back and be a part of you know what I grew up in a church. You know, obviously, hey, they all felt this way. That's why they were coming to church. I was coming because my parents brought me, and it gave me friends. It gave me this uh, this ability of right and wrong. So I go back to church. And and it was difficult because this was in the Jesus day. This is the Jesus movement in the '60s and the '70s, where basically there were no rules. You just loved Jesus, and Jesus just loved you, and people just loved you, and they gave you food. And if you knew three chords on a guitar and and could sing, you were famous. It was an incredible day, but there was no rules. Just love Jesus. But I came to find that you know what I needed some structure. I needed something every week. I just couldn't go to a mountain once a year and sit around with a bunch of people wearing robes and long hair who all looked like Jesus. So I went to church and I I found new relationships and I was okay. I knew there were rules because church never, as a child, church never hurt me. But I came to find out that's not true for a lot of people. A lot of people carry around a whole lot of hurt. You know, I felt like I was in family. People got to know my name. And as time went on, as I got excited about serving the Lord, I would talk to people About Jesus, about loving Jesus. You know, there's no rule. Hey, just love Jesus. He wants to love you accepted. And I started to see that the second I mentioned Jesus, they would even interrupt me, going, I'm not going back to church. Going, "Eh, what? And it's amazing how many of us have heard those words. Maybe you said them ourselves. Going, no, I'm talking about Jesus and going, no. It's 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 amazing how many people connect God with the hurt or disappointment that they received in church. And so, you know, you come up with <laughs> you run into people. I, I don't know if you've heard any of these. I, I've said a few of them myself. You know, I I didn't have friends who were pastors who either got fired, kicked out, did something. And they left church never to return. Here's the problem. It's my observation that they never came back. People saying, oh, I gotta take a break. They don't come back. And here's what's so painful. You know, even though church has hurt me. Church has hurt my wife. Church has hurt my children. The church that I started has hurt my children. The church that I started has hurt me. Here's the dilemma that we need to talk about today. I, I desperately need her. Desperately, I need the church. And that's what the Bible tells us. We desperately need this thing that can inflict hurt. Have you heard these terms? Let me go back to that. Oh, we do home church. Am I the only one who heard that? When you've talked to people, people maybe you've gone to church with before? Oh, we do home church. You know what that's code for? It's code for we sleep in. <laughs> Come on. Wow. Largest church in the world. Who knows where the largest church in the world is? Who says South Korea? Okay, you're wrong. It's bid, it is Bidside Baptist. That's where you go to church on the side of your bed. That's the largest church in the world. That's where most Christians are right now. As, I, as we got up today to come here, most, most people who say they're believers are at Bidside Baptist. How many know somebody that's at Bidside Baptist right now? <laughs> at, they're in your family. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. The biggest church. You know, how about this one? I believe in Jesus. I just don't believe in the church. Pretty good one. My experience is when you don't gather, you scatter. Even some of you that I've, I know who go out and witness on the streets, and you say that, oh, all I'm, all I'm trying to do is get them to make a decision. And that is fantastic. I know one might go on water One plants a seed, one waters, one tills it. But what my experience in a long, many, many years is that if they're not plugged in, they're not saved. They scatter. They scatter. Here's one we've all heard. It's like, uh, I don't believe in the organized church. So you believe in the chaotic religion? You go to the chaotic church. That's like, hey, no one's passing out bulletins. Ah, we didn't make any. You know, it's like, who's gonna preach today? Oh, dad, it, <laughs> forgot. Well, let's go to worship. Who's who's leading the worship? Oh, there was one more thing I forgot. That, that, that's the unorganized church, <laughs> you know. <laughs> We've heard them, if not even said them ourselves. And you know what? I agree. But here's my problem. And this is why I so desperately need the church for a million reasons. The number one is Jesus is returning for the church. Oh, you know what? I want him to return for me. So that means I... They've got to discover what church is and if you look at the church that Jesus describes it's a little different from some of the things that we have experienced even some of the, the different attitude that we come in look at Hebrews Paul's saying here, because the Apostle Paul said, Let us consider how to spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. He says it again. He goes, Don't do what so many people do, and they don't gather together. You see, with the purpose of us getting together, right here it says, listen, let's figure out how we can spur you on. Let's, we have to come together to re- receive this word. You know, you know, you're a giver. You've got to come here to give to someone. You say, I'm a lover. You have to come here. You can't love your own family because you don't like them, but you can come here and love. You've got to come here to receive love. To receive encouragement, you've got to come here to give encouragement. It says that whenever you gather together, one brings a song. One one brings a gift. One's going to make cookies. One's going to have a prayer. One's going to give instruction. But guess what? In all of that, we all receive. We all receive. This whole idea that if you gather, you can't, if you gather the right way, you can't help but to grow. If you have the right spirit. Now, I know we gather, we gather on Sundays, and right now, that's, that's, that's great. That's what you can handle. we also, we believe that we can grow bigger and smaller at the same time because some people want a more intimate relationship in their gathering. So we have different groups during the week or the month. This was Jesus' idea. Jesus even gave us a language for the church. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church. So when you you read about what Jesus' concept of of the church is a little different, today's thinking is this, that we are individuals that go to church instead of a community that becomes church. See, some of you came to church today and some some of you came because you are the church. Someone needs to see your face here. Someone needed to just be greeted and hugged by you. You might have needed to be hugged and accepted. Those little things all point to God's not done with you. He's got someone here waiting for you to give what you have come with, a handshake. I've had people come up to me and going, it changed my world when you came up and told me. And I said, what? Good morning. And you hugged me. No one hugs me. I don't have human touch all week long. I'm afraid of it, but this person came up. You can't help it. That changed your life. Yeah, it's the community. And here's the example of it: First Thessalonians, and this is an incredible, incredible example. In Thessalonians, it starts off, Paul's actually writing the letter, but look what Paul says. Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Corinthians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually to mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, your endurance inspired by hope. In our Lord Jesus Christ, the whole construction of the letter. It starts off, you know, Paul. Paul was the dynamo. It's the, if you if you go to school, Bible school, they'll tell you Paul was the one who really put Christianity on the map. And here he shares, Paul. Silas, Timothy, write to you, the church. It's a community writing to a community. And it's it's, it's like God, he's like mimicking God himself because God is a relationship. God is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It said that we're one. And when, when Paul starts off that, he's going, listen, we are one. We have a different voice, we have a different style, but we come to you as one, as a community. So a community, we're praying for this community. This isn't wrong, okay, but I'm just gonna make an example here. Have, have you ever gotten a like, especially Dr. Crystal loves to do this. because goes, what's your life verse for this year? You're like, well, what's, what's your verse? What's the promise that you're gonna get this year? I see the ladies going, yeah, I struggle with that every year. You know, she pushes me. And I want you to know that God is about dealing with you individually. Okay? He is. But the way I see the scripture is he deals with you in community. And in that community, he deals with you individually. We're going to do a blessing at the end of the day. It's called the priestly blessing. It's not anything crazy. Pete does it every time. He preaches when he ends. But what the priestly blessing is, God told Moses to tell Aaron and the priest, bring the nation in, bring the community in, and bless them as a community, and I'll bless them as an individual. You see, when we, when we when we read the Bible, we mustn't read it as "What has it got for me?" We need to read it as community says, "What has it got for we?" We got to turn that "m" upside down to. What is God? You see, when you, whenever you just read the scripture and it's just for you, it's just my promise, it's my promise, it's my promise. Oh, this is my promise. It sets up a format that everything is just about you. When God says, no, it's about us as community. And as community, I'll bless you. Look what it says in Acts, he goes, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. When the disciples received it, what were they? They were together. When Peter went, and out, went out and preached and Pentecost happened, what happened? The people were gathered. Did you catch that? When Jesus appeared to them, they were gathered in a house together. All together, they had gathered. Then the next time the Holy Spirit shows up and the Spirit is just released, Pentecost comes, the people had gathered and the spoken word went over those people, and they were blessed. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. And look at these places. In Jerusalem, and in all of Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. Do you know what the smallest unit there is? Do you see, who sees the smallest unit mentioned? The city. He didn't say, you're going to receive You know, you're going to receive, you know, power from on high. The Holy Spirit's going to come. And you're going to be my witnesses to Bob. It doesn't say you're going to be my witnesses to an individual. You as an individual it is. But us as a community. The smallest unit said that we're going to win as a city. How about Pine Hills? How about a gun? The church community in Orlando has been sent to win. It's just that's that's a promise. We've been sent to win a city, the smallest unit, and individually, yeah, Bob gets saved. You as an individual may go over to Bob's house and get him saved. But as a a community, when we do a great work all together, bringing our gifting in and honoring and having hope, we win cities. Wow. Okay, I want to change gears here. Let me give you the small groups. Small group, there's your orders for this week. You need to study the rest of the scripture, discuss it. You need to discover, that's the second part of this teaching, which I will not be giving. You will be giving it to each other in community. Isn't that cool? You're going to be teaching each other because you're going to come together as in a community. And someone is going to see something that you didn't see, and you're going to see something that they didn't see, and you're going to feel something that they didn't feel, and you're going to bring it together, and the whole community is walking in that truth. That's how it works. I'm going to... To stop and give a blessing. It's called called the priestly blessing. It's in number six. And like I said, it's when God told Moses to tell Aaron and tell the priest, gather my people and speak this over them. In this blessing, it's given to the community. But in it, you're going to see, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord's face shine upon you. It's individual. But you have to become a part of the community to get the individual. Now, here's the weird thing. Stick with me. How many know who Leonard Nimoy is? Pretty good, okay. He was Spock in Star Trek. And what did Spock always do? And it was live long and tithe. I mean prosper. Okay, when the show began... They were trying to develop characters, and that's one of the things that makes an actor an actor, is that they bring their own personality. Well, when Leonard Nimoy was a small boy, his father took him, he was Jewish, he he took him to the temple where they were giving the priestly blessing, and his father said, don't look around because what you're supposed to do is cover yourself with a prayer shawl because uh, they say when they say the priestly blessing, that's the Shekinah glory of God that's going to be. So his dad said, don't look around. So what what happens when you tell a little boy not to look around? He's like. And so they give this priestly blessing. He sees something. So years later, he's got this position, this this acting job. And they go, hey, listen, we want you to come up with a saying like uh, you're you're a Vulcan. And he goes, hey, how about if we give it a symbol? Right? (laughs) There he is. That's half of what he saw in the priestly blessing. See, when when the Jews, they used to say it every day, they say it every day at the wailing wall. This is the letter Shen. That's what that mimics. It is the Shekinah glory. It stands for the Shekinah glory of God. It is the first letter of God's name in Hebrew. And so what they do is they stand up there, the priests do this over the people. Some of the people do it back. It's a Jewish tradition, but that's what they would do, and then the cantor would sing the blessing. You know what, the name that we've been given is above all names, Jesus. Back in the day, it would be, uh, uh, they changed this this history, don't worry about that. I love history. But they would give, they would say the name, of of Yahweh or Yahweh. And they changed it to Adonai for different reasons and now in the English Bible it's just the Lord. But you know what? We've been given a name above all other names. It's the name of Jesus. And in Psalms 44 it says it doesn't matter if you use the wrong name. God knows your heart. And you know what? Our Lord is the Lord Jesus Christ who comes in the name of his Father. So you have gathered here today and, and fulfillment of what the Lord said to Moses, to Aaron, to the priest about community. That as we move in community, we get a blessing. But we gather first in community, and God blesses us. So if you could stand as I bless you. There are going to be light bulbs that come on in our mind. There's gonna be something that just speaks and says, wake up spirit within me. With the understanding of community that I believe the community first releases that individual blessing. today as we close the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace Father we have walked carrying your name but now, as a community, as a church, we want to carry your character. So we receive. We receive the priestly blessing in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. amen.